Good morning, Fellowship Fayetteville. Thanks for being here. For those of you with us on live stream this morning, thanks for being here as well. My name's David. Uh, I'm one of the, the pastors here. And hey, as we begin this morning, I just want to uh, point our attention to why we gather. You know, on Sundays, we, we come together and we lift up our voices in song and we hear from the word. And um, one of the reasons why we do that is to create unity as a body and man. Unity in a time like this is what we need. Absolutely what we need. And so just want to remind us as we sing this morning and as we hear from the word of God, it's, it's more than just uh, something we do a week to week, but it's, it's creating unity among us as, as a family of God. And so this morning, we're going we're gonna to sing the character of God. We're going to sing who he is. We're going to begin to train our minds to, to feel in line with what we know is true about, about our King, the one who holds all things together, the one who created us, the one who's close to us. And so together, I, I want us to read this from Exodus chapter 15 together. So with our voices, let's read this aloud. Who among the gods is like you, Lord? Who is like you? majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders. You stretch out your right hand and the earth swallows your enemies. In your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. In your strength, you will guide them to your holy dwelling. And so this morning as we sing, I'm gonna ask you to lift your voice with us. If at any time you wanna stand, you have complete freedom to do that. We're gonna be seated this morning, and so uh, our hope is that this can be a unifying time for us as a body. So let's sing these words together.
things together the way you do. Lord, and you tell us that all things were created through you and for you. And Lord, that you are the head 
of the body, God. You are the church. And so we look to you this morning, Lord, and ask that you would make yourself known to us through the songs that we sing and through your word. Well, good morning, Fellowship Fayetteville. It is so good to be here with you today. Uh, and welcome those that are tuning in for our live stream this morning. We're so glad that you have a chance to connect with us this morning and be a part of what we're doing here today. Let me introduce myself. Uh, I am a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. Uh, I celebrate recovery from a pornography addiction, and I currently struggle with anxiety and depression. And my name is Andy. It's so good to see you all. Hey, y'all. Uh, and I have the great privilege of, of leading our Celebrate Recovery Ministry here at Fellowship Fayetteville. And if you've never heard of Celebrate Recovery, uh, what it is, it's, it's a place where we can find uh, authentic community to point us towards the healing and hope that Christ offers us, no matter what hurt, hang up, or habit uh, we have going on within our life. Uh, and, and we're so excited. We want to bring you into a couple cool things that we've got uh, going on uh, here at uh, Fellowship, at, at Fellowship Fayetteville. We want to introduce you to a new team member that we have, but also in, in light of some of the hard stuff that we might be talking about this morning, we wanted to share a life change story with you as well to point us towards the healing and freedom that truly is found in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But first, uh, my friend David, would you introduce yourself and, and tell us a little bit about what you're doing? Absolutely. My recovery introduction is I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. I struggle with anger, codependency, and depression. My name is David. Hey, David. And so it is an honor to be uh, on staff here with Fellowship uh, Fayetteville Celebrate Recovery as worship leader. Celebrate Recovery has been here at Fellowship for almost 20 years and providing a safe place. And for me, it's been a godsend as I've been working on my hurts, habits, and hang-ups. So it's great to be here. And this is our friend Julia. Julia uh, actually has been a part of the church most of her life, been a part of Fellowship for a number of years. And a few years ago, she began volunteering with The Landing, which is the student side of Celebrate Recovery. And uh, as I understand it, Julia, when you got in, you began to hear some students getting real authentic and honest about their struggles, and it was like, holy smoke, uh, I've got some baggage of my own. And so can you kind of let us in on what happened through that process? Yeah, so uh, since about the age of six, I was acting out in lust with self-gratification. And if that seems young, it's because it is. Uh, and this was 20 years ago before social media or iPhones or anything like that. Um, where kids have the really easy access to get to any content that they want today, um, which gets me excited working with students in the landing who are going through similar things that I was. Uh, but I stumbled into this before I really understood what it was. But as I grew in understanding, I started using this to cope uh, whenever I felt alone or discouraged or angry or frustrated. Um, and going to a private Christian high school that I was in, um, we would often split up into guys and girls groups where the guys were taught not to watch pornography and the girls were taught not to be the reason why guys wanted to watch pornography. So from a very young age, I learned that this is a male struggle um, and so that means that I must be uniquely disgusting, uniquely broken uh, and alone in this. And so I didn't bring anyone into it, didn't talk about it um, until entering Celebrate Recovery. And um, I jumped into a step study through Celebrate Recovery, which is a, a small group where we work through 12 steps to overcome our hurts, habits, and hang-ups. Um, and through these 12-step process, I um, got freedom from this for the first time in my life. Uh, and on top of that, I realized um, just how much 
uh, damage that I had done to my mind and body and soul through spending 16 years of my life experiencing false intimacy. And once I was able to realize that, I was able to work through the healing um, to experience intimacy the way that God truly designed it uh, in a beautiful way. And so I've been free from acting out in lust for over four years now. It's awesome, Julia. Awesome. So, hey, you know, maybe there's somebody in the room today, uh, they've kind of walked in your shoes, maybe, or maybe they're walking in your shoes right now and they can relate to your story. What kind of encouragement would you give them? Yeah, so whenever I was in the midst of my struggle, I truly believed that God did not ever expect me to be completely free from this. Um, growing up in the church, I thought that the Christian battle was trying as best as I could for as long as I could, knowing that I would inevitably fall back into it at some point. Um, and so I thought that I was doing really well in my struggle, um, not realizing that God wanted complete freedom for me. And he wants that for you too. Um, if you're in here, whether you are a 12-year-old girl or a 70-year-old man or any mix between, God wants a better life for you. Um, and it's just if you have the courage to step in and face that um, and experience that freedom on the other side. Thank you, Julia. Hey, let's clap for Julia. Like, so, <laughs> it's so encouraging uh, to hear that that freedom and hope is possible, especially in such a sensitive area of our life. And in fellowship, I just want to applaud and thank you that we can be a church where it's okay to not be okay, but we can be pointed towards the healing and freedom that we found in Christ. It, it makes our church a healthier place as you guys support us, but also as so many of you have been willing to step in and participate in it. It's impacted me and my family, and Julia is actually my wife, and which is really cool that uh, because we're able to have a, a safe place here, it actually impacts uh, our, our family legacy in a positive way, and it can do the same for you. And so as we continue uh, into worship tonight, I just want to pray over our service uh, and, and point us towards the God who makes healing and freedom and hope possible. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, God, we love you and we praise you and we thank you that through Christ, uh, you've given us hope that freedom uh, and healing is truly possible. Father, I pray that as we go before you this morning, you would remind us of that gospel truth, that, Lord, you are the one that walks with us in the midst of our struggles and our brokenness. And so, Lord, would you point us towards you today and towards your son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. Cause I am a child of God.
it on the seas and established it on the waters. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false God.
today, Lord, that you would be our vision. God, let our, our minds and our eyes not stray from you, Lord Jesus. Help us to remember the truth of who you are and who we are because of you, that we are children of God. Oh, and how sweet that is, Lord. Thank you so much. God, be our vision, and um, we just pray all these things in your name. Amen. Thank you, team. What a great team we have this morning. And uh, they care so much. Yeah, clap. They care so much about you getting a vision of Jesus when you come in here and understanding who he is and why he's worth following. And so, so appreciate the work that they put in um, each week to make, make this experience incredible for you um, and for them to worship as well. Um, I guess first things first, you're wondering why I'm carrying a gray poodle around right now or a cooler um, or a 80s fanny pack, if you will. Um, but I just wanted to bring you in. This is my vulnerable moment this morning. I don't have a good story, actually. And uh, sometime back in late April, um, I, was, uh, I was making the bed, and this happened. And I had someone 30 minutes ago tell me that I had quite the geriatric moment. Like, what is that? Well, uh, one of the beds upstairs in one of my son's rooms was propped up on two delivery pallets because... That's what you do, right? You prop your bed up on delivery pallets, and it was, it was double high, and they had woven Christmas tree lights through there, and I was putting the sheets on the bed, and I went to tuck, and both my legs went through the gap in those pallets, and I lost my balance and began to fall backwards. My first reaction is to throw my arm behind me and try to catch myself, right? And uh, two ra rotator cuff tears and a bicep tendon tear later, I tried to gut it out through the summer, finally had an MRI done, and, um, and the surgeon told me, you're too young to live like this, and he had me. And uh, he helped me um, process this, had surgery uh, four weeks ago, and uh, mainly, uh, I'm supposed to stay in this, but mainly for our purposes this morning, the reason I have this on is so my arms don't flail, flail around like garland um, this morning. And so... Um, I'll get to going and, and teaching and preaching, and, and this keeps my arm where it's supposed to be this morning. So um, just bear with me, but that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. And uh, I'm so grateful for the left-handed people out there in our congregation, too, because I've had to learn to be one. And so uh, I'm grateful to be with you this morning. My name's Clark. If I haven't met you, I serve as uh, one of your pastors here at Fellowship um, Fayetteville. It's been a little while since I've been up. I usually plan on being away a little bit in September for a men's uh, retreat out in Colorado. That didn't happen uh, this year. And so just wanted to say thank you for a few things this morning. One, um, many of you may not know this. If you're watching on live stream, this is a thank you to you too. But um, Fellowship Bentonville is now going vertical. And so um, they begun building. If you've been up there or haven't been up there a while, drive by there. You can see it um, from I-49. And God has continued to use your investment and your giving to multiply the mission and vision of Fellowship Northwest Arkansas. And we were recipients of that generosity ourselves from a lot of great folks in Benton County who wanted to see this happen over four and a half years ago. And so uh, they're at about where we were six years ago. And so thank you so much for those of you who are invested and have invested in that project. It's really good things are happening Another thing, and I, I, I noticed this as I was talking to a man in our community a few weeks ago, 
with the plate not being passed, some of you like to offer your worship um, through giving as an act of worship by putting something in the plate. And so we love that and respect that. And so while we're not passing the plate, we provided um, two drop areas outside in the foyer up against the wall. As you walk out, you can see those. Um, the cash or the checks you put in there um, go into a safe place there. And um, we appreciate your generosity, uh, especially over the last six uh, months. Um, also, um, today at 2 o'clock, this is in relation to our text that we'll be working through together today. Today at 2 o'clock, um, we'd invite you to come back after lunch. Um, we're also going to be providing a live stream from 2 to 3. We're going to interview a panel of local counselors and take a little bit deeper dive into this um, area of infidelity, recovering from that, how to confess it, um, how to respond to it if you're the one confessed to. We're going to be talking about the nuances of pornography addiction uh, for both men and women. And so for an hour, we want to equip you to come alongside others in this fight for purity. And so there's only so much we can do on this stage on a Sunday morning, and so we want to take it to the next step. We'd invite you to come back. Go grab lunch, come back and see us, or tune in to the live stream on our fellowship live site. Um, that'll be available as well. And for you parents out there who are wondering, what have I gotten myself into? Um, just so you know, in November, we're going to release four different podcasts that are age-specific to help you have these conversations with your kiddos. And as Equipping Church, we want to come alongside you so that you can own the spiritual development in that area in the next generation. So we're excited about what God's doing and what he's going to do um, through our text this morning. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and we're going to be in verses 1 through 8 together. We continue our study as the gospel has taken root in this city of Thessalonica. Way back in, it seems like a while back, in Advent 2019, we started this process of see, asking God to help us see his son Jesus more clearly in 2020. And wow, who could have guessed how he would have answered our prayers, right? Well, he's done that in the Thessalonian church, and we get, a, get to peek into this really intimate letter that Paul writes to them. And today we have a shift in our study. Um, ver, uh, chapters 1, 2, and 3 have primarily been a lot of encouragement. This is what I see in you. This is what we're grateful for that God's doing in your life, and a shift happens to 4. In chapters 4 and 5, you're going to see a ton of imperatives, a ton of commands, a ton of exhortations. And he begins to say, hey, you're doing great, but I need you to lean into some of these areas of your Christian growth. Remember, they're only about, they're easily less than two years old in the Lord. And they live in a pagan community, and they're trying to figure out, what does it mean to follow Jesus in this context? And specifically in the area of their sexual ethic. And so we're going to be looking at that this morning. And so many of you, I know, because I've sat across the table from you in your own struggle in this area through infidelity, through pornography addiction, or just if you're alive as a human right now, we've all been impacted um, through someone's offense in the area of sexual sin, if it's not your own. We've all been impacted in some way. Uh, one generation ex-spokesman of who I'm part of that generation, and I'm not sure how you become a spokesman, uh, that'd be pretty cool, but he speaks for us, I guess, in this, and he says this, we are the first generation in which adultery is now not an issue. We have so little expectation of monogamy or of 
unfaithfulness. Adultery, he says, is just no big deal. And even if you're not a follower of Jesus in here this morning or as you watched this morning, you just know deep down that it's not true. That it is a big deal, not just for the one who commits it in their heart or in their lifestyle or practice, but it's a big deal because of who it impacts. This morning, I want to give us the clear word of God so that we're all on the same page. This is a inside the church family issue. We can't control necessarily the narrative of the world, but as we walk in the power of the spirit of self-control, we can control our response to the text uh, this morning. And I want you to know, I come to you this morning, not just as your teacher and pastor, but a friend, a husband, a father. I'm raising three boys in this culture. And so we're, we're beginning to have more and more and have had a ton of conversations around this area. And I'm in this battle for purity as well. I'm still haunted by those first pornographic images that I saw when I was a young kid. And I'm fighting for a marriage that matters and means something to the glory of God. And so I just want you to know, um, as we are in this battle together, let's do this thing together. So in light of that, 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 to 8, go ahead and stand, and we're going to read the text together this morning. Stand in honor of God's word. Uh, Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in passion of the lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this disregards not man, but God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. This is God's word. Father, thank you for my church family. Um, Thank you that you've given us a clear direction in this area to protect us from ourselves and to give us our life back and to give us a life worth living for your glory. To that end, we pray, and it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Verses 1 and 2, he reminds us that this is a family matter. Finally then, brothers and implied sisters in Christ, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus. He quickly um, moves from this idea of uh, three chapters of encouragement and just sound doctrine to what we would call orthopraxy. We've looked at orthodoxy, right doctrine or right belief about who God is and what he has for us. And now he moves into this idea of orthopraxy. You can see here in the text how you ought to walk. It's not just, hey, don't do this or do this, but you need to consider how you go about doing this. That you do so more and more, for you know what instructions we gave you. This is an important caveat that I'd like us to note. We're not after this morning behavior modification to make society work. That's not what we're after here this morning. We're, at, we're after a morality 
that is rooted in the good news of Jesus. And he says this. He says, we urge you in the Lord Jesus, for you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. Everything that we're going to look at today and the commands that God has for us today for our own benefit are rooted in the work of Jesus on our behalf on the cross, his resurrection and his ascension in our place. And to that end is the glory of the victory that we will experience in this area. To the glory of of Jesus the Son and his work on our behalf. Four, verse three, this is the will of God, your sanctification that you abstain from sexual immorality. He's given us an explicit statement of the will of God, and you don't get this a lot in scripture. You do get the will of God as you look at the grand purposes of God, but rarely does he actually say this, and Paul says this, that we're to walk in God's will in this area. If you wanna, if you're taking notes, you have a pen, you wanna write in your margins, you're watching, you have your Bible with you, uh, write down 1 Thessalonians 5.18 in your margin. That's another explicit area where he gives us God's will. We're to give thanks in all circumstances in 1 Thess 5.18. Ephesians 5.18, it's God's will that we're filled with the Spirit. 1 Peter 2.15, it's God's will that we submit to governing authorities. It's a timely reminder of considering uh, the nature of uh, the, the season that we're in. And I don't know about you, but I've had a lot of uh, moments where I've wondered what God's will is, and most of them were um, in the context of relationships, career decisions, relocation opportunities, things like that, the big things that we've all navigated. But specifically what God has in mind for us his will for us here is our sanctification. Ironically, the specifics of God's will, and this is just anecdotally what I've observed in 29 years of trying to help others follow Jesus. The specifics of God's will for those engaged in sexual sin will always seem a bit foggy and a bit unclear. There's a disconnect with seeing the clear will of God because of the deceptive nature of sexual sin, and so he clearly stated his will for us, our sanctification. It's just a big Bible word that means the process of being set apart from sin and unto God for his purpose. And it's an ongoing process. Our justification, when we're made right with God upon belief in the work of the Son on our behalf, we're justified, we're made right with him. Sanctification is a process of becoming more like Jesus. There's gonna be a day when we see him where we're gonna be made like him. That's what, the, what we call glorification. But in between, we all find ourselves together in this battle called sanctification. Remember, from sin for God. From sin's power for God's purpose. From sin's power for God's purpose. That process is where we find ourselves and this is God's will for us. Specifically in this context to abstain from sexual immorality. This is uh, my church family at Thessalonica, as Paul says. Uh, this is an area that I need you to mature in. I would say the same for us, Fellowship Fayetteville, that we abstain. Uh, the word abstain in the original language simply means to abstain. If you need other words to kind of color in the lines, to stop, to not participate, 
to quit. It's, it's not the idea of just kind of backing away from in moderation, but to ruthlessly avoid. Right in the margins of your Bibles, 1 Peter 2.11 it's the same idea, beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. There's a spiritual battle going on here, and it has come into the church and has infected the church, and it's robbing us of the joy of worship of God, and it's robbing us of our very own soul. And so he's saying abstain from what? From sexual Immorality. It's the word porneia. It's, a, it's, it's kind of a bucket term that we use for all forms of sexual practice outside the context of a one woman, one man, monogamous marriage, covenant marriage for a lifetime. That's God's standard. And I know some of you are thinking, it's, 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 that's impossible. And we feel that, don't we? It seems so elusive because of the brokenness, but that's God's best, that's God's standard, and that's what he wants for every person in this room this morning. Purity in the area of sexual immorality. If you were a a first century uh, person in uh, the the town of Thessalonica, um, they had a context, just like we have a context. It was common for young, unmarried Greek men. They were, uh, it was common for them to frequent prostitutes and to have sex with slaves. It was not uncommon for uh, just rampant uh, homosexual practices and behavior. It was also common to practice worship or engage in sex acts as worship, mind you, to pagan gods. And so consider how young they are in their faith and consider... Thanksgiving dinner, and 18-month-old in the Lord, Uncle Rico's there with you at the table, right? And he's battling this and trying to come out of this lifestyle. And so when he hears this, it's very personal to him. They're trying to grow in this area. And then he, um, to, to Paul's credit, and the Holy Spirit's pinning this through his hands, he then explains what abstaining from sexual, sexual immorality actually looks like. He says that in in verse 4, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in passion of the lust. He contrasts that like the Gentiles who do not know God. This idea of know how to control your body, it's the knowledge of, in this specific uh, case, it's the knowledge of yourself. It's a, it's the, what I call it, the spiritual skill of self-awareness. The spiritual skill of self-awareness and knowing your unique ways that you're tempted. The triggers, the boundaries that you must have to protect yourself from sexual sin. We've all been physically tired, emotionally drained. We found ourselves in seasons of loneliness, seasons of insecurity, in conflict with our spouse, seasons where there's not a lot of physical intimacy, living as roommates. Are any of these resonating? Spiritually dry, extreme stress. And then some of us in the room have coped with these things using substances and alcohol and all of these things put together put us in a very uniquely tempted situation when it comes to 
pornography, when it comes to someone that we might be in the room at a social gathering who gets us. We're particularly weak. We need to know how to control our body with holiness and honor. How to bring God's word to bear in temptation as Jesus did. Not in passion of the lust like the Gentiles, this idea of lust, it means over-desire or misplaced desire, desire that's outside its proper context. The Gentiles didn't have the Spirit of God in them, those that worshipped pagan gods, and so they didn't have God's Spirit in them to give them the power to fight this sin well. And that idea of lust carries with it the idea of coveting or desiring Someone for your pleasure at their expense. It's the greatest expression of selfishness. And he's trying to grow them up in their maturity in this area. And then he makes it a inside the family of faith issue. If we're going to live this practice, he says this, that no one transgress or wrong his brother in this matter. This is an issue of the great commandment of loving our brother and sister, to consider our brother and sister. When a new family now, and I know you're only about 18 months old in the Lord, guys, but let's don't take advantage of one another. Let's walk in the spirit of self-control so as not to harm one another. And right in your margins, Ephesians chapter 5, 1 through 3, as we imitate God He says that we are to walk in love as Christ gave himself up for us. He makes it a sacrificial gospel issue in that passage, in this fight for sexual purity. And then he gives us the ultimate motive. You see, there's a greater authority we answer to, a holy God who will avenge. Note Romans 1. It's not on the screen. We're not going to read it. Romans 1, 18 the 32 would be a great cross-reference here. If you want to understand kind of big picture what avenging might look like, uh, read that text later. But for a follower of Jesus this morning, if you find yourself recovering from or caught in sexual sin, what avenging might feel like or look like to you, it could be that God is disciplining you. As a child, as a father would a child, for his glory and for our benefit. And what that may look like is that sometimes we bear the weight of our consequences and we need others to come alongside of us to work through that. Some commentators have suggested that it could mean some type of judgment when Christ returns, not the loss of salvation. If you're in Christ, you will never experience the eternal wrath of God, but the loss of some kind of spiritual reward could mean a lot of things, but what it does mean is that we answer to God for the spirit that he's put in us and how we respond to the spirit of self-control in the area of sexual purity. We answer to God ultimately, not only to man. Verses four, seven, and eight, our last two verses here. For God has called us, he restates it, he's called us for impurity um, and in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this disregards not man, but God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. God calls us not just from something, but for something. For what? And I want you to imagine with me, those of you who've battled in this area, imagine with me 
what it would be like to wake up and experience a day like this, a, a day that's for a life free of shame, a day free of concern about getting caught. What would a day be like free of guilt motivating your next decision? A day um, full of spiritual and emotional intimacy. A day when so many of you uh, feel a lack of confidence that God can use you, but you, you had this courageous boldness that God could use your story and recovery in this area to breathe life into the life of someone else. Free to serve in your local church without shame or guilt. And we'll hear that word shame a lot. Guilt says, I've done something bad. Shame says, I am bad. And it's at, it, it hits us at the core of our identity. And what I want for you this morning, my church family, my brothers and sisters, is I want to give you a greater sexual ethic. I want to give you your life back in this area Many of us, instead of a reverent fear of God, the only thing that's keeping us on the rails here is just the fear of getting caught, and it's just such an irreverent way to walk through life and experience fullness and freedom. Let me remind us something that Paul says as he notes his Holy Spirit, or God's Holy Spirit that he's put in us. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 says this. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God. You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Many of us are chasing sexual freedom if it's just some kind of internal right we have. If you're in Christ, you don't have that right. You've been bought with a price, a costly price. And the opportunity here is that he literally is costly to something so much better. He wants to give us our life back from sin for glory. And in, in his spirit, we understand that we can't do this on our own. This is a sin, mind you, that you cannot, through sheer force of your will, discipline yourself out of. It takes community, but it also takes the supernatural power of the spirit using God's word to root this sin out of your heart and give you a life that's worth living. And so the Thessalonian church has their context and we have our context. And I want you to know this, something in here this morning. If you have not been married I would, and you're engaging in sex before marriage, I would ask you as your brother this morning to stop. Let today be the first day that that's no longer the practice you're engaged in. If you're currently married and you're committing infidelity, committing adultery or having an affair outside your marriage, I'd ask you today as your brother for the glory of God to stop. If you're currently in a marriage, you've been divorced, I would ask that you practice this sexual ethic inside your current marriage and be faithful to your spouse. I'm asking you as a brother this morning. So what do we do with this? What are, uh, how do you respond to something like this? I want to give you three words just to walk away with, and we're going to unpack them for a few minutes. We confess, we guard, and we prepare. I've used this 
slide this uh, before, but I think Dietrich Bonhoeffer and his uh, great work on community called Life Together, um, these are such good words for us in relation to finding freedom from sexual sin. He says, in confession, the breakthrough to community takes place. Sin demands to have a man by himself. Is that not so true with sexual sin? The more isolated a person is, the more destructive will the power of sin over him be. And the more deeply he becomes involved in it, the more disastrous is his isolation. Sin wants to remain unknown. It shuns the light, but in confession, the light of the gospel breaks into the darkness and seclusion of the heart. He goes on to say this, he who is alone with his sin is utterly alone, and sin makes us feel isolated. Many of you have been there, even this weekend. It's a lonely place. And he says, many in the church would say, we dare not be sinners. Many Christians are unthinkably horrified when a real sinner is suddenly discovered among the righteous. So we remain alone with our sin, living in lies and hypocrisy. You can hide nothing from God, he says. The mask you wear before men will do you no good before him. He wants to see you as you are. He wants to be gracious to you. You do not have to go and lie to yourself and to your brothers as if you were without sin. And I hope this is true in this church family this morning. You can dare to be a sinner. And what we say around here a lot is it's okay to, to not be okay, but it's not okay in Christ to stay that way. And that's why we're in this together. And this is a safe place where you can find hope in the midst of your struggle. The word guard or protect might be a word that you would use. Consider your environment. Consider people you run with. Consider media. Once we confess to God and to our fellow brother or sister, we have to have things in place, guardrails, if you will, to protect us from ourselves here. Um, many of us battle uh, just a tendency towards isolation, and so we need to find ways to not always be alone. We need to learn to avoid places that cultivate a desire to give in to what our flesh wants. Many of you find yourself lingering in a bar on business trips looking for opportunities to find some kind of emotional intimacy even. That may be your point of application uh, this morning. Some of you find yourself looking forward to the gym at a certain time or a coffee shop because you know there's a certain person in here that you're not married to who gets you and you love seeing them and you need to change your schedule and when maybe you go to the gym. I'm getting really practical here. This is a battle. Some of us are running with pockets of friends who don't have the same sexual ethic, who don't see men and women as created in the image of God. And we need to find community with others who respect men and women as God intended them to be. Some of us are flirting or texting with someone outside our marriage who gets us and understands us. And some of you have done that this weekend. And I'm asking you, your brother, to stop, to abstain. Some of us find ourselves trapped in just the overrun media culture, whether it be uh, movie binges or 
straight up pornography or books you read, fantasy material. Uh, we just, we have no filter of what we let into our eyes and our ears. Some of us find ourselves following someone specifically on Instagram or even Facebook, and you're constantly wondering what might have been. And that's a temptation for you. Some of us are always after the next click, and we look up, and an hour's passed. And you're wondering, what just happened? And there's this deep sense of shame and false intimacy that it didn't do what it says it promises to do. We've got to guard ourselves in media, and then we've got to prepare. And this is going to sound really odd to say that this is preparation, but one of the best ways to prepare yourself if you're a married person in here this morning is to prioritize your spouse and cultivate that friendship, to honor, to respect, to cherish, to nourish, to sacrifice for them. And if you're a parent in here, this is what I've observed over uh, 26 years of marriage. Pam and I have worked through some of this. If you're a parent in here, this is how it, a lot of times it happens. One parent will invest in the children, taking care of them, but also giving their heart to them. They're incredible. What you emotionally invest in them at the expense of your spouse in some way. To cope, the other spouse will then invest themselves into work or a hobby. You become roommates. And you look up and a decade has passed and there's nothing of value there, of substance, of friendship. And it makes it just that much easier to tell yourself, God owes me because of what I didn't get. It makes it that much easier to be pulled into the deception of sexual sin. So one way to prepare is to invest in our spouse, to walk in the spirit, to walk in the spirit. This is ultimately a spiritual battle as we talked about. We've got to learn how to use the sword of God's word in this battle and then to engage resources. So glad that our, um, our Fellowship Fayetteville Celebrate Recovery team was with us uh, this morning. It's a great first step for many of you to engage in that community. That could be your first step. I wanted to point you to a couple of websites that are great resources. The freedomfight.org. Um, it's a great resource. Uh, it's got um, videos to help you learn how to uh, retrain your mind with God's word to fight this battle for your purity. Um, they've got a ton of articles and resources to come alongside you to help you find a small group to be a part of to find freedom in this area. Julie Slattery, Slattery AuthenticIntimacy.com. She's very candid and respectful and specifically areas inside marriage that have sexual challenges and how to respond to those. And I would note, you, note that to you and also know that if you find yourself in a place of pain or brokenness this morning, just know we've got a counseling network. Not only do we have our Fellowship Care and Counseling Center, but we also um, have a variety of counseling centers in Northwest Arkansas that we partner with. And so, if you find yourself this morning caught up in this sin, there was a king in our spiritual history, and his name was David. And David, one afternoon, 
he found himself looking out a window and lusting and coveting another man's wife. And at the expense of Uriah and Bathsheba, he gratified his own desire. And to cover up his sin, he committed murder and betrayal. These are the words that he penned when he was found out. These verses on the screen describe a heart who knows it's been caught and knows that it's ultimately against God that this sin has occurred and the weight of the pain that he's caused others. I want you to take a 15 seconds and read those verses. We're going to read them silently. You see, another king would come, the lineage of King David. And this king would walk the streets in a pagan culture. And this king, in communion with his father and in the power of the spirit, this king would not lust in his heart. This king would not covet another man's wife. This king not only wouldn't practice adultery physically, but this king had no sin in his heart. This king, instead of betraying and committing murder, this king was the one betrayed and murdered for your adultery and for my adultery, both physical and our spiritual adultery. Is that good news? You see, in Christ, if you're a follower of Jesus in here this morning, I want you to know the power in this message for God to give you your life back is that you actually get credit for Jesus' sexual purity. His pure life lived in your place is credited to your account. That's your new identity. And this is good news for you regardless of how you feel this morning. I know some of you feel like that's such not my reality today, but this is the good news that we have in Christ. And for a follower of Jesus in here this morning, he's taken on our guilt, he's taken on our shame, and he's paid for it in full. And we have hope because not only did he pay for it through his death, but he rose again to give us a life, not just in the hereafter, but abundant life now in this area. He wanted to set apart the Thessalonian church to be a, to point to his glory, and he wants to do that for us this morning. Allow today to be the first day of freedom for you in this area. Father, help us practice a life of turning away from sexual immorality, pursuing purity. Help us love you and others by walking in the power of the Spirit as we consider our brother and sister. When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and see him there who made an end of all my sin. Because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. For God the just is satisfied to look on him 
pardon me.
Fayetteville. As we, as we go from here, just a reminder that the hope, the significance that we're, that we're looking for in our sexual sin can only be found in Jesus. And so we keep our eyes fixed on him. I wanna invite you back at 2 p.m. today in this room. Um, we're gonna have some counselors here to help, help you walk through healing. And we'll also have it live streamed for you. This week, may we go and keep our eyes fixed on the King, Jesus. We love you. God bless you. See you next week.